Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Is that an awesome time of worship or what? I do that all day with y'all. AJ, thank you. And to the team backstage, thank you. What a blessing. Happy New Year. Here we are, about 15 hours away from 2024, right? Next week, we'll be out at uh, Corbin University, right? We're gonna, you guys saw that. Now, here's the other thing about that, as, as if you were to show up at nine o'clock, my wife and I and a bunch of other folks will be here to greet you with like a, a donut hole and a cup of coffee to let you know, hey, there's a service out at Corbin at nine and then at 11. But here's the other thing too, at 11 o'clock here, and many of you know this already, we're gonna be actually having a service up in the chapel. Tim Saffs will be leading us in live worship. And here's why I want to mention that is for those of you with small children, zero to threes, like we will have uh, children's ministry here. And so that you can come and you could be a part of those things. If that's something that you, that you want to be a part of, that's something you can register also for. And then also for all of you live feeders, we will be running a live feed out from Corbin also. There's going to be all kinds, of, we are an equal opportunity. We all serve y'all, okay? But boy, being out there together at Corbin, if you can do that, we'd love to have you there. Good? Want to make sure that you heard that. I really love that song, Abide. Did you guys like that song? Ladies, you like that song? My wife just told me she wants me to sing that to her every night for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Literally. She leaned over and went, I want you to sing that to me like every night for the rest of our lives. I probably will not do that. But I will sing it to you someday in about 15 hours. Pastor Justin and Pastor Pete out at Corbin, as they lead us, are going to embark on a series, The Unseen Hand. They're going to take you through accounts throughout scripture of how God shows up in an unseen way that shows up tangibly. We're going to be looking in Mark. We turn with me to Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles. This message has been on my heart for quite a while. Matt Becerra and I were talking a few years back about Bartimaeus about this situation that, that in, in Matthew chapter 20 and Mark chapter 10 and in Luke chapter 18, all three of those uh, men of God penned about this encounter that Jesus had with this, this blind man and actually another blind man. Uh, Matthew 20 will let you know that there was two blind men. Bartimaeus is the spokesperson. Jesus cared for, for them. But before we get to the text... Do you know that the average person walks about three miles per hour? If you're trying to get somewhere, you walk about three miles per hour. Do you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. I was, uh, having, I was having a coffee with a friend I played football with in high school. He's a coach up at Liberty High School uh, in Tacoma. And we were, he came over Christmas and he said that to me. As he's getting ready to speak to a men's conference, he said that to me. And I went, wow, that's pretty interesting stuff right there. But then I said it to Justin and he always has great spins on things. And, and he said, well, you know what, Matt? Actually, with Jesus, he always had a crowd with him. He was always teaching the disciples. So probably it's more like 1.5 miles per hour. I went, well, that's interesting too. Jesus is walking along at 1.5 miles per hour, teaching the disciples with crowds around him. He did his ministry at about 1.5 miles per hour. How's your life going? You moving pretty fast? You know, as he's walking up on situations, he's just walking 1.5 miles an hour, teaching his disciples with the crowds. He was never overwhelmed. You know that Jesus always ended up wherever he wanted to go on time? Wherever he wanted to go. You know why? Because he was one with the Father. He was abiding completely with the Father. 
and the spirit of God moving through him. Wherever he went at 1.5 miles per hour, he always arrived on time. He was never in a hurry. And so as he's walking it out and we come to a text like this, my, my challenge this morning was to think about, okay, if, if abiding truly is what produces fruit, there is no law against. And the challenge is in 15 hours, we go into 2024. And for all of us, we're looking at God, how do I walk out 2024 differently than I did 2023? Because we want to continue to grow and be molded and shaped and just continue to be conformed to the image of our Savior. True? And if you've come and you've never thought about it that way, I'm just going to say, I'm going to put that challenge out to y'all. The reality is we need to be conformed to the image of our Savior moment by moment, day by day, just changing the way he would have changes. He, he wants to change us. And so as we're thinking about that, he's always on time. I was walking downtown at this time of year, actually a few weeks before this time of year, because back in 2009, Aaron and Angie and I and Lori, we were leading a college-age ministry. Many of you are in here with us, uh, on staff at that time. And we would do, at Christmas time, a thing called the Great Logo Hunt. We would take the Crossroad college-age logo, and I would hide it downtown in some business. And as our students were going, they were supposed to be thinking about and praying about walking into good works that God prepared beforehand for them to walk into because they're searching for a logo and doing their Christmas shopping at the same time. And if they found the logo, we would get them a dinner for four to that Greek restaurant downtown that was there prior. It's no longer there. And one day I was down hiding the logo and I was walking about three miles per hour because I was in a hurry. I wanted to find a spot that would let me do it. And I was walking along and I saw a homeless man that walked across the street and he went over to one of the potted trees and he was sorting his stuff by the potted tree. And I thought, okay, I'm walking up on an opportunity here, right? He's sorting his stuff and he's sorting his stuff and I'm walking up to him and I, and I looked at him and he turned to look at me and I said, hello. And he, and he looked at me and he nodded. And then as I kept walking, he goes, I love Jesus too. What'd you just say? I love Jesus too. Tell me why you said that to me. Just saw you walking by. I thought I should say it to you. And I said, what's your name? Your name's James. James, can I talk to you for a few minutes? Yeah. Tell me about loving Jesus, James. Well, I accepted Christ when I was a kid. James, what can I do for you right now? What would help you? you Want to buy me a meal? Yeah, there was a restaurant across the street on Liberty. So we walked across and he and I had a, an early dinner for me and maybe one of the first things he ate for him that day. And he told me about his life. Seven kids in his family. He was the youngest. He had accepted Christ. He ran away from God. Was living on the streets. Isn't that interesting how God has you walking, just walking along and you just all of a sudden you go, gosh, God was right there. He was nearby. He just opened a door. I, I was walking to hide a logo and I met a guy named James and we ate dinner. I said, what else can I do for you? Can I, can I take you to the union gospel? No, I don't want to go to the union gospel. There's nothing else you can do for me. Thank you so much for this time. We prayed together and off he went to wherever he went. I have no idea. Somebody said, Matt, maybe that was an angel unaware. Maybe. I don't know. All I know is when he said that to me, it made me stop my three miles per hour. Slow down for a second. Within days of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, this is on your notes, an interaction took place with the crowd that was walking with Jesus and blind men. Jesus was traveling in and out of the new city of Jericho when he heard someone cry out to him in desperation. It was the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, speaking on behalf of another blind man as well. 
They were in desperate need. They wanted to be able to see. The crowd's attitude towards Bartimaeus' plea was wrong at first until they saw a miracle take place, and then they rejoiced. Just like today, with our homes and businesses, schools, and in our streets and forests, desperate people are in need of God to show up, having heard their cries for help. They need Jesus, the son of David. You've turned with me to Mark chapter 10. It'll be on the screen for you also. We're not going to read Matthew's version nor Luke's for the sake of time because we're going to do the Lord's Supper today. When we get to the end of this message, we're going to take the elements. We're going to take the grape juice that symbolizes the blood that was shed for us, the bread that symbolizes the body that was broken for us, and we're going to remember Jesus till he comes and may he come today. Amen? There's a crown for that. If you think that way, scripture says there's a crown for those who long for his return. Are you with me? Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up, he's calling you. He threw off his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Isn't that good? Jesus was going to and from and passing by Bartimaeus and the other blind man. He was walking about 1.5 miles per hour. He probably had gone through the old ruins of Jericho, and then he was walking in and through the new Jericho. And however he's placed there, Matthew has it one direction, Mark has it another. But we know this. There was a couple blind men there, and Bartimaeus is is the speaker of the two. And if you go to Luke's version, he asks the question, what's going on? He can't see. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And then you see in our version, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he cries out. The crowd said, Jesus of Nazareth. This man said, Jesus, son of David. That is significant. There's something that Bartimaeus knew about Jesus that the crowd did not say about Jesus. You picking up that? And in the midst of that, they're walking through Jericho. Let's not miss something too. This is the only time in Matthew, Mark, and Luke on this same account that is ever spoken of that Jesus is walking through Jericho. Only time. Now, why is that significant? Well, you remember the Exodus when Israel comes out of Egypt and they get to the promised land after that 40 years of wandering due to their rebellion, right? Joshua is leading them into the promised land. The first city they come upon was where? Jericho. That were satanically ensnared people group that hated God and hated Israel. Except you also remember what happened at Jericho? There was a woman, Rahab, the prostitute, the harlot, who hid the spies of God, Israel. And do you know that she ends up in the lineage of Christ? That woman, as Jericho has to be wiped out because of their hatred for God, her and her family comes out of Jericho and ends up in the lineage of Christ so that we might be saved. Isn't that good? Now think about that. There's an unseen hand in that, right? 
And so as we, as we consider now, Jesus is walking through Jericho, old Jericho, new Jericho, wherever he was at, he's hearing, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Man, that's good. Now here we are. He's only a couple days away from his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's walked through Jericho where it all started as Israel came in. And he hears Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me from a blind man. Will you turn with me to Isaiah if you can? Isaiah chapter 42. I just want you to see something. Now Isaiah, many call Isaiah the fifth gospel. Matter of fact, when we were talking this morning, Pete and I and Justin, Justin says fifth gospel. I said, yeah, I'm going to say it. If you want to see Jesus clearly from a 700-year-prior perspective, read Isaiah. You cannot miss him. He is that child that was born. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He is that child in Isaiah 9. He is the one that will wash you white as snow, Isaiah chapter 1. He is that savior in Isaiah 53 that was scourged for your iniquities, pierced through for your transgressions, and like a lamb led to the slaughter, he did not open his mouth. Isaiah 53. Look at Isaiah 42. This is what God the Lord says. We're in verses 5 through 9. This is what God the Lord says. Who created the heavens and stretched them out. Who spread out the earth and what comes from it. Who gives breath to the people on it. And spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose. I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you. I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. Isn't that good? Here he is walking through the Jericho, crosses a blind man's path. And in the midst of that, if you go back and read Isaiah, it's all through Isaiah that the Messiah comes to open blind eyes. That's not the only place that says it. And set prisoners free. That's not the only place that says it. And he's, he's culminating in the midst of his time on earth with a couple days away from his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And this is the last miracle he does before he goes into Jerusalem. He opens blind eyes that cry out, Jesus, son of David. You guys got Christmas cards this year? I hope you did. I hope somebody loved you enough to send a Christmas card. If not, let Lori and I know. I won't sing a song to you, but I will send you a Christmas card. Hearing that crowd passing by, he cries that out. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 9 on all those Christmas cards. We just celebrated this, right? For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That blind man knew that that was true. Good? Do we? Because in order to abide in Christ, to truly abide and produce fruit, we got to know some things. We got to know it. And if we don't know it, we might doubt in the midst of 
things that happen around us or things that happen to us, true? And so as we're working at this blind man knew it, he knew it. No, he's not just Jesus of Nazareth. They said Jesus of Nazareth passing by. Oh no, he's not just Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, son of David, the one that Isaiah was talking about, who we've been waiting for from the Old Testament all the way forward, you are God and you can lift the blinders from my eyes. And the crowd had just said, warned him, be quiet. We're walking past you at 1.5 miles per hour. We're in too big of a hurry for you. Be quiet. He doesn't want to help you. I'm warning you, be quiet. That's what's happening. Isn't that sad? So you must know something this morning. Now, this is in your notes. You must know it. In the midst of your need, Jesus is nearby. You must know it. Just like that blind man did. In about 15 hours, we go into 2024. You got to know it now. You got to know it then. There's not about New Year's resolutions. This isn't about, this isn't a message about you now making New Year's resolutions. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm going to hope people give me a Christmas card. Whatever your New Year's resolution is, right? That's not it. There's no New Year's resolutions that work. Just want to let you know that. You know what works? Abiding in the vine and letting him produce fruit through us as branches that cannot do anything apart from him. That works. That works. And so he knew it. And, and know this, in Hebrews chapter six, it says, Jesus says, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Well, when? When's the best time to start seeking him? Well, I'm gonna go with this moment right now. Don't know how y'all were coming in this morning. I'm just gonna go with this moment right now. Because if you put it off, you say, well, my New Year's resolution is in 15 hours. When that, man, when that ball drops, when that clock strikes, and I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna follow him. Why wait? He knew he was passing by right then. That was his opportunity, right then. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We don't do that. He's gone to the cross for how many years since? All of them. All of them. It, it, this is all just a giant myth. It's a waste of time. Unless in 33 AD, he hung on that cross for you and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do for you. I'm talking to you right now. There's a lot of y'all in here. I'm just talking to you. On that cross, he said, for God, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then from that cross, he cried out, it is finished for you. All of your sins, past, present, future, on him once and for all, the just for the unjust. That blind man knew who he was. Do we know who he is this morning? Because if we do, we can abide like that song said. That I'm going to be singing every night the rest of my life. <laughs> but if we don't know it, we might not abide in it. And if we don't abide in it, we could be struggling and be hurting this morning over things that we cannot control. We, we got we to run to Jesus, the son of David. He's gone to the cross for all of our sins. If you go to the Matthew account, it says that when, when Bartimaeus was crying out, he, he, brought, he went and, and they came to him and he had compassion on those two men. He had compassion on them. It's why he was there. The crowd had it wrong. The crowd was not understanding. Isaiah was telling me to open blind eye. Like, I, this, is, this is the whole thing. I'm here. He's quoting Isaiah in the temple. We're going to look at that passage at the end of this message. He's quoting Isaiah in the temple about himself. John the Baptist is quoting Isaiah about who he is. Well, who are you? He says, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist quoting Isaiah 700 years before. He's quoting that he's the voice crying in the wilderness. That here's the Messiah. We've got to know this. We've got to take some time and read this. 
We are blessed beyond measure to be in America. Do you know that we have brothers and sisters around the world that can't get a Bible? They hear the gospel, they believe on Jesus Christ, and they can't get the Bible. Oh, they're going to be in heaven with us. They will be. And it's not that God loves them any less. They just live in oppressed countries where they can't even get a Bible. We are so blessed to be here. We can put Bible on audio. We can listen to it. We can have it pop up on our phone and have a scripture come up. We got technology that will be telling us continuously all about the word of God. We are blessed beyond measure. So know this. In the midst of your need, Jesus does hear your cries for help. And he's not acting upon the crowd's opinion. Isn't that good? He's not listening to the crowd. He's listening to God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Everything the word says about what they want to accomplish in this world. And he's listening to his word. And he has his word for you. And he wants to meet you today with his word. In the midst of your need, he hears your cries for help. I don't know how you come in, but I know that there's cries for help going on in this room. No doubt about it. Nobody in this room should be warning another person in this room, hey, just be quiet. Jesus is too busy walking by you. Jesus is showing up right now for every one of you, every one of us, everyone out there. They had it wrong. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? Heavy on the whoever. (laughs) Whoever will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. So do you know what Jesus does? This crowd that was saying he's too busy, he stops and he says, go call him. There's a rebuke in it. If you go back and study the language, there's actually a firmness to it. Like, go get him. You bring him here. And so they do. And then, did you hear what they said to them? You know, they're like, hey, be of good courage. He, he does want to actually, hey, that's amazing. Be of good courage, get up. And you got to love Bartimaeus. He jumps up, throws his cloak off, and I'm just going, you know. Here's this guy, somebody guide him to me. He's like, he's excited. He, he's on fire. Be of good courage. You know that Joshua was told that going into the, pro, into the promised land? Be of good courage, Joshua. Those 40 years were not in vain. I'm with you. As you go to Jericho, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Joshua, we're going to, this thing's going to lead all the way to Jesus. So know this. In the midst of your need, Jesus is going to ask you questions because Bartimaeus comes, you know, he hightails it up to him. He's excited, right? He's going to ask you questions. He might ask you a question like this. When the disciples got all, uh, they're going across the lake, right? They're on a mission trip and the storm comes and these seasoned fishermen are really scared. And, and in the midst of that, they go, master, master, we're perishing. Now these guys are, these guys live on ships. Like this is what they do. But this storm was going to kill them. Master, master, we're going to die. Jesus says one word, everything calms down. And he goes, and I don't think he says it angry because many people will read that like God's angry. He's not angry. He understands them. He's like, hey, where's your faith? You left everything to follow me. Where's your faith? We're, just get, we're gonna get across. Did I say we're gonna get across the lake? You know what's gonna happen? We're gonna get across the lake, guys. I was taking a nap because we're gonna get across the lake. Satan and his cronies can't do a storm too strong on you that's gonna stop us from a mission trip. By the way, if you were scared about that storm, guess who's gonna meet us on the shoreline? <laughs> this naked, screeching demoniac dude. We're gonna save that guy. Where's your faith? Where's your faith, son? Where's your faith, daughter? But he might ask you other questions like, Adam, where are you? I came to walk with you in the cool of the evening. Why are you hiding behind bushes, Adam? 
Now, God didn't ask that question in Genesis chapter 3 because he didn't know where Adam was. He wanted Adam to realize where he was. Did you, did you eat of that tree? Did you sin, Adam? Why are you hiding from me? You know that when we, when we mess up as humans, Adam taught us how to hide. Jesus came in Romans chapter 5, so we'll never hide again. He undid Adam. John chapter 5 verse 6 says, do you want to be made well? You've been laying here for 38 years. Do you want to be made well? The man that's been laying there for 38 years looks, I can't get the help I need. I, just stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He asks questions. He's a great teacher. In the midst of his teaching, he gets us to see things that we, don't, we didn't see before. You know that our heart can be blind, like that crowd's? You know that our minds can be blinded, like that crowd's? We can look at things wrong. And Jesus comes in, and when we get into his word, he starts asking us questions. You ever heard that question in your heart? You ever been in a situation where you went, Ugh, and a question just pops up because you've been in the word? Hey, Matt, after I got saved, I was holding a beer in my kitchen. I kept drinking after I got saved. I got saved, and I didn't put down what was destroying my life. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And my little daughter comes toddling in. I heard a question go off in my head. Can you keep her from becoming your mom? My mom was drunk every day of my life. Every day of my young life. That went off in my head. I, I will say I've never, I can't say to you I've ever heard the audible voice of God, but that was as close as it got right there. Can you keep her from becoming your mom if you keep drinking? Ugh. Gosh, why'd you save me not to do this? Went and dumped my beer in the sink. And then I capped every one of them and dumped them all because I knew if I threw them in the garbage, I might dig them out. <laughs> Just so you know. He might ask you, do you believe in the son of man? Like that blind man from birth. Remember that? John chapter nine. Hey, he, he rubs mud in his eyes. He go wash in the pool of Siloam. He's never even heard Jesus's voice before. Hey, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He gets up. And by the way, if you go to ancient Israel, you start looking at that map. It wasn't that he just stumbled across the street and went to a pool. He had to work his way down from where he met him, wherever he was around the temple. That man had to get all the way across town to the pool of Siloam and wash and receive his sight. Then he meets him in the temple as he's giving credit to God. And he goes, hey, you believe in the son of man? You've heard my voice before, huh? You remember my voice? Now you can see me. Who is he, Lord? It's me, I believe. He asked questions. So then it's on your sheet there. What do you want me to do for you? Hey, folks, each one of us have different things we'd love to see God do, True. Maybe it's for a loved one. Maybe it is in our own life. Maybe whatever it is, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, son of David, is here to meet you right where you're at in whatever that is. We got to abide, right? So know this. Jesus changes everything as you have faith in that moment. Receive your sight, he says. Your faith is what? Saved you. That term is sozo in, in the Greek. It isn't about just the healing of his eyes. That term is completely wholly saved. Your faith has saved you. You believed in the son of David. Receive your sight. We need that this morning, don't we? There may be things that we've been blinded about like that crowd. There's things as a Christian we can walk in at our 1.5 to 3 miles an hour and we're, we need God to give us new sight going into a new year. But it's not about New Year's resolutions. It's just God, you just got to do this for me. I, 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 I'm asking. I, I'm praying for the want to want, God. 
I'm struggling with even wanting this, Lord. And I'm praying that the Spirit of God, he'll flow through me with the want to want to live this out for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Or if you've come in here and you don't know him yet, you can cry out to him right now and you believe on this Savior who died for all your sins, was buried and rose again. I need the son of David. I need the one who came down the timeline with that unseen hand orchestrating everything for him to show up for my sins on that cross. I need him and I'm accepting him today and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Amen. And do you know what you are? Saved. I accepted Christ in my pickup truck in Springfield, Oregon. After going into a rehab center to pray for her sister. Who got in a car accident on Halloween night, 1987, going to an Oregon Duck game. God got my heart. And then I kept drinking after he got my heart. We can be blinded to things, true? Then that voice comes up and says, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? I thank God for that question. It changed everything. He changed me, then he was changing me, then he keeps changing me, and now I'm singing every night, apparently. (laughs) As your needs are met, rejoice, and tell others about how God gave you new sight. Gosh, that's all, that's, we get to enjoy all these different things in this world, but you know what? Here's the thing. When Jesus, when that trumpet sounds and that angelic shout happens and we go airmail out of this place, you're not going to be going, oh, but I wanted to, you know, you're not doing that. There is nothing tying you to this earth that you won't be super elated over the fact that you're with Jesus forever in a resurrected, glorified body. Amen? Amen. So don't hold anything too tightly now, but enjoy your families. Enjoy what God has given you. But don't ever forget the only reason you're all still here and that I'm still here is because Jesus hasn't finished going through the earth, getting those people that he wants saved yet. Jesus got them involved, that crowd. You call him. Your heart was wrong, but now it's right. And all the people, it says in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, you take those three accounts together, they rejoiced over what they got to see. Do you know that if they had their way walking 1.5 miles an hour, they would have missed a miracle? Be quiet. We'll walk on by. Jesus didn't miss a miracle because he was right on time for it. Now here we are. We got all this time left, whatever it is, right? Let's just walk into these opportunities because we're abiding to see fruit come off our lives because just moment by moment, it's going to walk our lives out. We got to know this. Jesus, the son of David, right out of the book of Isaiah, he is near and he is hearing you and he has made the whole timeline playing out for him to come again soon. So have courage. And if you truly know Christ, this passage is for you and I'm gonna change a couple words in it so I'm not changing scripture. You go back and read it for yourself, Isaiah 61.1, all right? But own it. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Jesus quoted that passage. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring this good news. Jesus quotes that and said, and closes the book and says, here I am. Now, if you know Christ personally, you know that he prayed for you. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who believe in me according to your word, Lord, Father, that they may be one with us, one with you, one with me. That's the spirit of God's role in your life. So that the world may know that you sent me. 
So the Spirit of God then has now, because you're one with Jesus, anointed you to help the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to prisoners, and those who are in captives, those who are brokenhearted. You. Now we walk it out, moment by moment, whatever your sphere of influence is. And there's no better place to be than abiding closely with Christ. Amen? Let's pray together, and then I believe we're going to sing a song, and we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus did come and do what he did. Father, I thank you for this time with these precious people and the reality of what we just got to be a part of. Be glorified as these moments play out, whether it's 2024, 2023, or whatever day we're existing in today. May we not harden our hearts as we hear your word. May it be that we find ourselves in the center of your will moment by moment. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.